Hi, everybody. Dean Crisp here with Straight Talk on Leadership. My goodness, it is 2021 already. This week, we're going to be in the studio talking about that year of 2020 that we just finished with. Thank goodness, good riddance. But if we're not careful, 2021 can be as challenging. There's a number of things we got to do and a number of things we ought to think about heading into 2021. In this episode, we're going to recap some of the things that occurred, but we're also going to talk about how to embrace the future. As always, sit back, get ready, change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. Hi, everybody. Dean Chris, Straight Talk on Leadership. Great to be back with you this week as we embrace and look forward to 2021. And we are looking forward to 2021. And let me ask you a question, just straight off the bat in our podcast, what choice do you have? You can either be loathing and looking at 2021, or you can say, here it comes. I'm ready to embrace it and make it the absolute best year out there. Now, is that difficult? No question about it. But in this episode, we're going to recap 2020 and talk about some of the challenges. We're going to talk about politics a little bit. We're going to talk about law enforcement in terms of the stuff that happened. We're going to talk about the dreaded coronavirus and the impact. We're going to talk about how law enforcement flipped on a 180 in terms of support. And we're just going to talk about a number of issues. So a lot of things on the table today as we enter into this podcast for 2021 and straight talk on leadership. I'm going to be joined today by Kelly and with Kelly, uh, Kelly Corbin, who is, again, our business development person and our operations director and our, uh, you know, she wears about 74 hats for her, us at LHLN. Uh, and we've had a quite a year, Kelly, and I'll tell you what, it's uh, our best year is ahead of us. We know that. We have absolutely have committed to 2021 being the best year yet for us at Straight Talk on Leadership and at Leaders Helping Leaders Network. So I'm going to be joined with her today. Kelly, thank you for being with me today. Look forward to it, Dean. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm telling you, we got a lot to talk about and that kind of stuff, but a couple of things I want to mention is that you know, at LHLN, we're being challenged every single week. And what we want you to do for us, and we're going to take a moment just to ask you to hit that subscribe button on your podcast. We want you to put that, push that subscribe button. You'll be notified when we get, we drop new episodes and we try to drop them every week or 10 days or so. And we get them out there and, and we stay relevant on our topics. We don't just talk about, you know, uh, this or that or whatever. It doesn't relate to you. The reason we call this podcast Straight Talk on Leadership is because we want to dive straight into the issue of leadership. Now, we do talk about, you know, the how the brain works, and we talk about how leadership works, and we talk about all those things. But in the end of the day, we just straight talk to you about this is what we see happen happening, or this is what we see will work, or this is what we've learned from it. 
So it's kind of like, if you really want to describe straight talk on leadership, it's kind of like, and, and I hate to say this because I don't want you to think of it in bad ways, but it's kind of like a scar tissue podcast where we really, we really try to learn from our scars and things that we've learned the hard way. And so what we try to do is take that, break that down so that, you know, our scars, you learn from our scars. I always say this to people when I talk about leadership, you got two ways you can learn. You can learn from your scars or mine. And I will tell you one thing for sure. Learning from mine is a lot less painful on you. So on Straight Talk on Leadership, we talk about some of those things and we talk about the in-depth leadership. Leadership is the most important component in any organization. I do not care who you are. It is yeah, it's certainly about the numbers. It's certainly about business. It's certainly about revenue. But the way to drive that, the way to get people to perform is leadership. Charlie Strong, who used to be the coach at South Carolina, the offensive coordinator, and then he went on to coach at Texas. He, he had a saying that I really loved. He said, nothing good happens till leadership shows up. And that is so true. And we talk about that in Straight Talk on Leadership. It's been a great year for us. We've uh, seen the, the most numbers for us increase on our podcast. We're up to uh, thousands and thousands of downloads on our podcast. And we're really pleased. The only way we can do that is through you, uh, your continual listening, passing on these lessons and learning. My challenge this year for you is for you to expand your reach as it comes to leadership. Now, that's one of the challenges I'm going to have. And we're going to be doing a 21-day challenge. And if this podcast comes out in time, uh, we're going to be taking as many people as want to go with us on this 21-day challenge of pushing you to the most important parts of your life and getting you better in those areas, uh, whether it be family, whether it be professional life, whether it be physical life, uh, whether it be any of those things, we're going to talk about how do you do that. And my challenge to you this, this year is to expand your reach on leadership. You know, start reading more, start sharing more, start telling more people about leadership, start talking more about leadership. And you'd be amazed at what it really will do to you as the life of a leader. One of the things I always say about leadership is this. If leadership's not on the tip of your tongue, you are not going to have it when you need it. And the only way to keep it on the tip of your tongue is to expand your reach with leadership. You got to think about it. You got to make it a lifestyle. Another thing we got this year that we are so excited about on January 26th, we're going to be releasing the book, the second book that I've written called Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. Now, what I've done is I've taken leadership lessons, which I released about four years ago, and I started looking at that book and I started saying, man, this lesson, if I just drop this in, if I just rewrote this just a little bit, if I just tweaked that, or if I just added this, and you know, I'm always in the classroom adding stuff. I'm always talking about new stuff in terms of leadership. So what we did was we took leadership lessons and we just rewrote it. And we rewrote it to, and we're calling it Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. And it's written in three areas. It's written on how to become the best version of yourself, how do you grow yourself? How do you grow others and also impact them in a better way? And how do you have more influence and help grow your organization? So it's written in those three areas. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. We're really, really excited about it. It's coming out uh, the 26th of January. If you'll click on our podcast and go to our website, we're going to have a link there where you can go ahead and purchase the book. I'm doing, I, I am planning some book tour sites. So if I'm in your area, uh, teaching, or if I'm around those areas, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to do some uh, talking about leadership and then 
do some review of the book and, uh, you know, sign books for folks and just talk to them about leadership uh, for the intent of helping you become the best version of yourself and the best leader. So with that, we're going to get into the podcast today. We're going to talk about 2020. But man, Kelly, you know, we have said all along, and we ain't just said this in the last month. We have said this for the last six months, that 2021 is going to be our our turnaround, not turnaround year, but our expansion year, where we're just going to get into, we're going to do more, we're going to have, uh, we're going to do more classes, we're going to, uh, and, and just, yeah. you know, if you will, just influence more people, get more people involved in LHLN, and really get people a part of this. And one of the things I'm going to be doing this year is I'm going to expand my coaching. And I'm going to be doing some personal coaching with folks one-on-one. We're going to be rolling out a promotional class and something that really can help you in the promotional realm. So that's some exciting stuff we've got going. But we did say that 2021 is going to be our best year, and we're absolutely committed to do it. So in today's podcast, what we're going to do is recap 2020 uh, with a little bit of disdain, with a little bit of, uh, we're not real fond of 2020, uh, just in terms of uh, recapping a little bit. Not too, not going to be too hard on 2020, because again, 2020 didn't have nothing to do with the people and the virus and all those things. <laughs> but we're going to give you some things that we hope can help you stay focused and get you to where 2021 can be the best year possible for you. So that's what our hope is. That's what our goal is. That's what we're going to be doing. So Kelly, welcome to the show. And uh, you know what? Good to have you. So what's Thanks your so thoughts much, on some of this oh, stuff? Well, I think just a couple of things I'll follow up on for people, for the audience. I think one of the reasons why we've set this as a goal is um, we actually had a Given the circumstances of 2020, we actually had a pretty good year. We continued to expand our market areas. And of course, there were places that were more locked down than others. So those classes were shifted to different months or different years even. But in all, all in all, I think what it did do for us was to start helping us think outside the box of how we were going to do things. And Boy, I, if I had one thing that I would kick myself on was March the 31st, not going out and buying Zoom stock. Um, if you could actually buy stock in Zoom, I honestly haven't seen if they're publicly traded or not, but that definitely uh, 2020 is the year of Zoom. Um, and no, we're on it right podcasting. now. Podcasting. We're on it right now. And if, uh, which reminds me, folks, if you want to watch this podcast on our YouTube channel, you can go to our YouTube channel and actually see it in uh you know on tape uh, we'd like for you to do that we we enjoy people watching us on tape but if you're just listening out in the gym or whatever it's just as effective and uh so we really um you know do want you to visit our youtube channel if you can so kelly you're right you know if we'd have bought that's but that's the crystal ball right and 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 i think that a lot of people, hindsight. yeah you know I, I think that <laughs> i think that a lot of people in leadership um kind of think it takes a crystal ball sometimes to respond to stuff or you know we always look back and say man if we had a crystal ball we could do this but you know leadership is not magical or let me just say this leadership is not magic but it's magical which means that that when you execute it correctly then the results become magical on what you can get done mm -hmm. but it's not magic by smoke and mirrors because it's actually something you can do, you know, and leadership is one of right. those things that you always got to practice it. You always got to work on it. There's never a moment where it's not relevant. And if, if you don't think leadership's relevant, then, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to just choose somebody in your office, wherever you're at, 
uh, when you go back to your office, when you're whatever it is, and just treat them badly for like 30 seconds and then watch what happens to them. Mm -hmm. They completely demotivate. They completely unplug. They stay mad. Now, I don't want you to really do this. Okay. So don't, I'm not actually telling you to do that. What I'm telling you is in the process of magical, it's amazing what happens to people when you don't do leadership right. They just, they just cut off and they demotivate and they just, you know, we did this whole thing this year on effort and commitment, which I do think we're going to expand into 2021 talking about the relevancy of, you know, the more people put in effort, the more they're committed and the more people are committed, the more effort they put into it. Mm-hmm. There, there is really a lot of legitimacy in that. We're going to talk more and more about that, but not, and not so much in this podcast, but in 2021, but leadership is magical. And what you saw in the year 2020 is you saw some leaders hesitate. You saw leadership kind of not stay ahead of what was going on, but was reacting to everything that was going on. It was almost like we never caught our breath in 2020. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like every freaking time we would catch our breath. And, and, and I'll give you an example in the business sense for us at LHLN was we, we had this period of time, like four months where, or three and a half months where we just literally shut down all live classes. And that's what we do. My thing is getting in front of people and connecting with them. My thing is coaching you during a class to get you to see what you can be. You know, my thing is to get you to see what you can be, not what you are, right? And a lot, that's pretty effective when you're in a classroom, but it's, it's kind of hard to do on video. And we were shut down for about three months. Then we kicked it, man. We, we started, uh, like every week you, you had me on the road. Every, every week we were somewhere much, doing yeah. something. And yeah. then all of a sudden, the election kicks off again. Oh, my goodness. And then all of a sudden, the coronavirus because of Thanksgiving, because of Christmas, because of holidays, everybody goes in lockdown mode again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in North Carolina, the uh, governor here has kind of held steady over the last several months. But the county that I live in, in their, um, I'm not going to say uh, infinite wisdom, I'm going to say in their infant wisdom, <laughs> decided to <laughs> cut restaurants to 30% capacity. So that's not statewide. That's just our county. And uh, the effects of that have been devastating for restaurants. And uh, the bottom line is, is they've established a rule that everybody's breaking and that everybody's just trying to stay in business. And my, my question to you is this in leadership. So you want, so here's what I want you to do in leadership. You want a leadership problem today? If you want something to just think about and ponder to really make you better, here's a leadership thing for you today. How do you open a kitchen 100% to serve 30% of your customers? Okay, so the cost of the kitchen is 100%, right? but you only get to serve 30%. And how do you stay in business? Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, I know their attempt was to get people to have less coronavirus. And I understand that. And I understand the deadly effects. And I understand the numbers. And I'm all about all that. I, I mean, I'm a 1000% with that. I, I am for whatever works to help us get it done. But let's just don't do something because we think that it's going to have a major impact. Restaurants aren't the problem with coronavirus spread. We've already seen that. The numbers show it. So, I mean, 
it's yeah, just didn't Waffle House didn't Waffle House do a whole nationwide study on contact tracing and yeah they, they did one one incident of it from one of their restaurants so it's, no I'm not doing a Waffle House commercial but if you're watching right now I just happened to go to Waffle House today and it's one of the restaurants that's open you know still staying open and I they got a great breakfast there. And this one, I went over here in Henderson. But my, my heart does go out to all of those mom and pop operations out there. I mean, oh I'm across gosh. the border from you in South Carolina. We've been a little bit more open than you all have, but we still have um, restrictions to 50% on larger events of the capacity of the venue. Um, restaurants, you can eat in them, but they do have restrictions on how many it's not. I think the whole thing of this is the arbitrary figures that people have put on things that makes it difficult to for anybody to manage for anybody to lead for that well matter. well the coronavirus has has really you know we're going to spend some time talking about that in terms of mm -hmm. you know the leadership thing with that in a minute but you know if you look the point was was you look at us we had to shift in mid-gear well, and that no. was one of the things that I actually was going to point out, too, is that I do think one thing that 2020 did bring in is it made everyone adapt. It really did. I mean, we've learned a lot just from this experience in business oh, yeah. and in government, for that matter. Forced um, learning, forced learning, forced that, learning. Forced, that forced learning ain't fun. Yeah, at for, at and, and some of the effects, I think, will be good uh, long term. I'm not saying that. Um, all of the effects are good. Obviously, those that have died from the virus, that's oh, yeah. kind of a reality. But oh, I know. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I, you know, my dad passed away in August too for for us this year, and I mean, it was you know not from me. Corona though. No, he didn't die from Corona, but he did die from Corona, but not Corona. Corona. He died from the loneliness of Corona because he yeah. stayed in the hospital six weeks without having any visitors. And my dad is a very social person. And you could see the very life drain out of him because the fact we couldn't get up there to see him and you could see him deteriorate over a period of time by having no social interaction, staying it's in a hospital criminal. bed by himself. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, he, he didn't die, say the Corona didn't kill him, but the fact that the social distancing from him certainly contributed to, to his death. But when, when you, you look at this year, it, it's just been a, a crazy year. So, so let's talk about, a couple of things and then we're going to get into okay. corona i'm not going to try to make this a corona because that's the way to make sure everybody's going to cut off and not listen to the <laughs> for sure because we're all so damn tired of corona that it's about we're all about sick of that crap mm. now i do want everybody to know that after this uh when we talk about these issues i'm going to talk about the things that we can do to kind of stay focused on the future and getting the future moving forward for us all right so i've got five or six really cool things i think will help us or help you as a leader, really focus on what you need to. So, so here we go. So last January, we go into the year and uh, we simply think everything's going to be great. We're, you know, it's uh, it's certainly going to be a challenging year, we know, because it's an election year and every presidential election year, regardless of whatever, is always freaking commercials and everybody's going to be paying attention and money's going to be spent, you know, the political process, yada, 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 yada. We all know that's going to be a challenge and we all know, hey, but we all have this enthusiastic mindset that we're going to just proceed forward and proceed forward and proceed forward. Now, see, that's the interesting thing about the future. The future is unknown, but most people think that what they're doing today prepares them for the future. That's true, but you have to have a healthy respect for the future, right? So, 
every leader has to have a healthy respect for the future to understand that I don't care who you are, the locust may fly in. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you may okay. not, you might not see, uh, and for those of you who are uh, like uh, maybe generationally don't understand, but my older, we're our generation, you know, we were always taught the biblical uh, famines and the biblical insect insects and the locusts would come in to see, eat all your crops when you had this luscious green crop right out there in front of you, where in other words, the future looks so bright and you're already counting your money and the freaking locusts fly in and take it off. Right. So every leader has to be ready for the locust to fly in. And, and I don't really care what that locust can be. The personal life uh, with me in terms of my dad dying last year, uh, in terms of uh, his wife, uh, his, my uh, stepmom living with us and moving. I mean, just the locust flew in on a personal round for me in terms of that kind of stuff. Right. But you, as a leader, you, you have to look to the future with a great deal of enthusiasm but at the same point, you have to realize that the locust may fly in at any day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a leader, you, you really have to pay attention to that. But we're all preparing. For like, the best. Yeah, you hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Well, you know, and, and I think hope is hope is one of those magical words that one is overused, but it's over dependent upon. Yes, because one without hope, you're lost. But with hope alone, you ain't going to get nothing. So I always tell people, if you think, I, I ask this to people sometimes, I say, look, you know, Kelly, I love when you take me down these paths and you throw these things out like this, it just makes my brain kick into high gear. <laughs> but I'll hear a lot of times I'll tell people say, that they'll be in the middle of a promotional process and I'll say, well, how do you think you're gonna do? And they're going, well, I hope I get promoted. And I say to them, well, if you hope you're gonna get promoted, trust me, you probably won't. Hope's not a strategy. Hope is something that sustains you through some very difficult times. And as a human being, you absolutely need hope. Here's something I want you to understand about hope. Hope directs you towards a direction of knowing what you've got to get done. Okay. So in other words, the second you get hope, you should have hope with action. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't ever think that hope alone uh, is going to make it happen. Like, like, here's an example. And, and let, let's go back to, uh, 2012, right? Barack Obama wins the election in 2012. His number one thing is keep hope alive, right? right. Hope. hope. But if you go back and examine that, they had the most comprehensive ground strategy for election that's ever been accomplished and internet connectivity in 2012 See, they just didn't say, we hope we win the White House. They went out there and said, we hope, but if we put this together, we're probably going to execute hope, right? Well, so, isn't it what you always say that hope without action is just a wish? Mm, something like that? It's something like that. But what I actually say is a goal without a strategy is a wish, mm -hmm. which by the same token is just the same thing. You, you can't hope for a better future. You can use hope to create action. You know, so... One of the things I want to get out there to everybody in terms of this, of this uh, in, in terms of this uh, podcast and this episode is this, that, you know, we do have the ability to determine the, we do have the ability to determine or predict the future. You, you have more than you think, but we do have that ability. And, and the way we can predict the future is created. And sometimes what you do as a leader you can create the future. You know, it's, it's just like you and I 
over the past um, three months have been just diving so deep into the psyche of, you know, how does this all work and what do we pull together and what are we trying to accomplish? And, you know, and, and out of that comes this kind of clear pathway, you know, about the strategy that, that comes about it. So, so you got to understand that, that you do have some ability to determine the future and even predict it by your actions. You know, you, you can do that. You can, you can create the future if you'll just stick with it. So we go into the year, everything's really going good, you know, and I can remember us thinking, man, we got so many classes scheduled last year. We were like, man, we were kicking and we were doing this and I'm still teaching with FBI leaders, still teaching with them. Now I love them. We've got a great organization, just had a zoom with them, me, meeting with them last month. They got a new director. I mean, they got things looking up for them. It's wonderful. I love that organization. Great group of people. And, you know, I'm still teaching with them and all that. And they're the same situation we're in with live classes. Then all of a sudden it drives up, bam, you know, Corona comes and the reaction of the federal government and our state government says shut down commerce. And it wasn't to shut down commerce, but it was to shut people down. And when you shut people down, man, you have a very major impact on what goes on. So you, can you remember uh, back about March of last year? Um, I guess it was like April, first week in April. I literally went outside on a Friday afternoon and had to go to the grocery store for something and felt like I was in the twilight zone mm -hmm. because there was literally nobody out. Mm -hmm. And at that time, everybody wasn't wearing a mask like they're wearing now. Right. So I saw people with variations of masks that look normal today that I literally thought were crazy. I saw a person with a wood chippers mask on. <laughs> I saw a person with a freaking gas mask on. I remember you telling me about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I even took a picture. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And, and I mean, people didn't know what to do, so they did what they thought they should do, right? right. And so we're all figuring this out. It, what it reminds me of is the year 2020 was kind of like building an airplane while you were flying. It. You know, it's like you didn't really know how to put all the pieces together, but you still had to get to the end, right? And so the, that's like the year 2020 is the airplane flying while you're freaking building kind of year, you know? But if you really look, all years are like that. They just don't have that many crazy things back to back. You know, I compare 2020, my personal opinion, to 1968. And if you look back, and I know a lot of our listeners, man, they say 1968, and they think I'm ancient, and they think whatever, but I lived through I was a baby, I think, you know, one, two. Yeah, well, you know, I know you were a baby, but I, I was in school, and I remember 68, man, what happened in 68? You had all kinds of stuff. You had the election, just like last yeah, year. But, yeah. You had Martin Luther King killed in April. You had uh, Robert Bobby Kennedy killed. Bobby Kennedy killed. You had, June. I yeah. think you had Wallace shot. I mean, I mean, oh my God. I mean, the whole country was in, you had the marches. I'm a man, you know, you had the civil unrights with the yeah uh, and your dad was in, in law enforcement at the time i'm sure it was, even was. more of an impact for you and oh i can remember him coming that. i can remember him coming home and just changing uniforms and going back out you know in the law enforcement and all that stuff but but it, it reminded me that of all things we almost lost hope you know like in 1968 we were like 
what in the world is going to happen? I mean, we were getting ready to do the, the lunar uh, launches, you know, the, to, to man on the moon. We had all these things. We had Vietnam War that was going on. It was just uh, every night back in 1968 when you would go to bed at night, uh, and it, it happened for probably 1965 to probably 75. Uh, but every single night when the news, the 630 news, the, oh, yeah, the national sure. nightly news would always lead with, they would end body count. body count. Like how many people died, how many Vietnamese soldier died versus how many American soldiers died. And you always counted up. I remember we always just say, oh man, what will we kill more than they killed us? You know, and I can remember 68, there were uh, two specific funerals. I lived right across the street in Skyland, North Carolina across the street from the Baptist church, which was kind of the focal point of that mm -hmm. little town I lived in. And uh, a couple of kids who went to the high school that I did, Robertson High School, had gotten killed in the Vietnam War. And I can remember sitting on my fence out near my house, right across where I could watch it, watching the military funeral of them taking those guys up and then driving right by my house because the cemetery where my dad's buried and all my family's buried, that's where they buried him. Mm -hmm. So remembering that in 68, you know, when you see that and then yeah. everybody was against soldiers, everybody was against, uh, I mean, it was just like, we, we didn't want to be in the war. I mean, we had a lot of stuff going on. And so it reminds me, 68 reminds me of, of uh, 2020, just with all the chaos. But the other side of that was, was the next year in 69, we land a man mm -hmm. on the moon. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in 68 too, I was just going to mention that I do remember the, the moon launch because that was a time you know, almost every family had just one TV set. Um, that was 69 was the moon. Or in 69, yeah, in right. July of 69. And I can remember being called in, you know, I mean, it was just, a, if you were a kid and you were alive and they thought you would remember it, it was like, get your butt in here. I don't care what you're doing outside. I don't <laughs> come in and watch this. And I can remember kind of like, oh yeah, I got to go inside. I was having fun playing with friends and it was a big deal. Um, I do well, we remember. Used to play in, we used to play outside in 68. But I, I, I mean, 69. All but I remember time. 69, um, literally going in and watching the moon launch, yep. you know, the, the walking on the moon. And I, I remember walking outside my house and going out and looking at the moon to see if I could see him on the moon. I know, me too, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But it was a hell of a year. So, so we go into the year last year with a lot of hope, everything going good, then bam, it all, you know, it just starts getting crazier and crazier and crazier. The numbers go up with the coronavirus. We all don't know what to go on, what's going on. We don't know if it's a, is it a real disease? Is it not? Is it, were we overreacting? Is it just like the flu? I mean, if you look at the coronavirus, you, you can, that's kind of a, a whole different look, if you will, because it's not like anything we've ever done in the recent history anyway, but it's kind of like shows you how things begin to develop where you really don't know what's going on. And then misinformation comes out, false information comes out. Then people begin to react. Then even with the thing that got us even crazier last year was, you know, our social media, our ability for everybody's opinion matters. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an epiphany moment. They want to share, you know, Facebook and, all that stuff. And you, and you have all that stuff going on. So it gets really, really crazy with the coronavirus. Then you tack on the uh, social unrest with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. And then you get, th this is what a lot of people fail to recognize. Not that they fail to recognize it, but I, but I want you to see the major impact here is you have one of the fabrics of our life and community police, which the uh, maintenance of order 
and the ability for people to live in a civil society. That's what police do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you really to look at like, what are police all about? Well, police maintain order, enforce laws, but they also allow us to live in a civil society without a military rule. So if you look, really look at police and the depth of police, police mitigate military life. Uh, what I mean by that is without police, uh, you know, maintaining order, We'd have anarchy. You, I mean, you only have a military, people. you only have a police state, right? A military a or dictatorship. Yes. Yeah. I mean, which is what's happened in some of our cities, unfortunately. Well, but, yes. And so you get all that going on, you get people protesting, you get people yes. shot, you're getting people question legitimacy of law enforcement, you get defunding the police, you get, I mean, you know, you, you get a lot of stuff that just starts police support. Well, it just unraveled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we actually even did a blog post on that. I may have guest wrote that one on that. And it was in the summertime when there was just so much uncertainty. And we had gone through the whole George Floyd thing and the defunding of the police in Minneapolis. And you really almost had this sense about mid-year that the very key things that we counted on as a society, a healthcare system that was under severe stress, a law enforcement um, community and system that was under severe stress. And then on top of that, you had parents that didn't know if their kids were going to go back to school. You know, those are kind of the three cornerstone things of our society that everyone just kind of counts on. If you get sick, you go to the hospital. You know, somebody's trying to do something to you, call the police. You know, and every year, parents kind of count on that their kids have a public education system to go to and become educated. And all three of those were under put under severe stress last year. Well, there's actually an explanation for that. And I mean, I hate to get like crazy. Well, not so much philosophical. I, I hate to get like, you know, like I'm, you know, some kind of, I don't know, like I know anything, but there, there's actually, what that is actually called is actually called liminal space. And- Say that again. Liminal space. And so imagine this for a minute, like you go to an airport, right? And you get off a plane at three o'clock in the morning. You got it? Mm-hmm. And nobody's in the airport. So in other words, where there's normally thousands of people, you walk in, that feels weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like, there mm-hmm. should be people here, you know, or it's space that's unused, but has a purpose. Okay. So for example, architecturally, if you go to a building and there's just empty space all over the place and there's nothing being used there, it's weird to see that space. Okay. But I'll give you you a better example. Imagine a hallway in a school. So when you go to a school, you normally see the hallways full of kids and that's normal. Mm -hmm. But go during the middle of the day and nobody's there. That's actually called the liminal space, which actually liminal space means no more and not yet. Right. Which what that simply like a means. Transition space, I guess. It's 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 a transitional space. Mm-hmm. And what you're seeing right now in law enforcement is you're seeing this liminal space take over because cops can't do what they used to do. And cops can't say what they used to say, but they're not sure what they can say. Right. So when you get into a period of liminal space you actually create a world that's unknown and it creates this freakzoid mindset 
because you really don't know what to do next. Right. And the coronavirus and the George Floyd thing has created kind of this liminal space period for us where we're trying to figure out what's next, but we know that what we did prior to is not acceptable anymore. It's like no more, but not yet. And that living in a liminal space actually creates psychologically this craziness in our brain to where we're not as certain anymore of the outcome of things. So, right. which means when you're not certain of the outcome anymore, you have a tendency to question everything, which creates in leadership, the psychological distrust of yourself. Okay. So if you look at liminal space, and that's actually what's happening right now, is this thing where we don't know what the future holds, but we know we can't do what the past does. And when you get into that transitional period, like, like I'll give you an example of right now, your, your daughter's in a liminal space. Because, Both of them are. Both well, of them are. Right. That's exactly right. And when, when a person gets into a liminal space period, they're not as good as they were when they were in a more secure place. Because, okay, like starting this year, you, you watch it with your youngest daughter. Uh, she's all about, uh, you know, the school year and doing all this. Well, now she's pretty much settled that this is the way her senior year is going to be. So she's already moving forward to the college years. But she doesn't know what that's really like. So it creates all types of psychological stuff going on. You oh, know, no question like, about it. Yeah, the uncertainty of it all. And then that get, that gets layered on by what type of personality each one of them has. I've got one that's graduating from college, getting ready to enter the workforce this summer. That's a whole new thing and moving to a new city. Um, you know, so that's all going to be different for her. Well, um, imagine, imagine your employees, right? Yeah. They've worked at an organization forever. And now they come in and they're marked unessential or non-essential. Right. And so they get sent home. Well, do they get paid or not? I mean, it's like, that's not normal. It's not normal for me to work at home and to be structured because I should be at work in an environment where everybody's doing the same thing I'm doing. And so when you get into that liminal space and what's happening is, is a lot of leaders are in that liminal space and they don't recognize it. Well, the whole country's in a liminal space. We're well, in a liminal space politically. We're in one, um, you yeah. know, economically. We're in one um, socially in every every layer of society at the moment. When you when you do that, you you create such an uncertainty about what is ahead of you that you get hesitant on what you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. So you don't know. It's like. It's like, imagine a police chief going to, it used to be like, I'll give you an example of a perfect liminal space for a police chief. It would be, we just had a police shooting. You're, you're uh, on TV. You're talking to people and you say, okay, here's, here's what we know. The shooting occurred here. Here's what happened. And so-and-so is investigating it. And when so-and-so is investigating it, then what tends to happen is we let them take over the public trust us and everything goes good, right? So right. you know that's what happens. But that's not what happens in the liminal space. The liminal space is you don't know what to say. In other words, do you reveal the facts that it was this, it was that, it was this, do you tell it? You don't know. So what happens is when you go out there, you create distrust and you're not really sure because you're not really sure what to say. Right. So we're in that. We're in the middle of a liminal space, particularly with law enforcement leadership, but particularly in the world in general. When that happens, you, leadership has to be really damn good. 
because if you're not good, you people don't really perform in limbo, right? They they have to know directionally where they're trying to go. So with that being your, said, there's your same root word from Latin or Greek. I'm not sure which. The limb meaning crossing over that that part of the root word limbo and liminal space. Yeah, well, that's where we're at. So when when you look at that, you know, when 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 you do that, you you really you you create a whole different environment in terms of law enforcement, in terms of leadership, in terms of where you're at. So anyway, uh, I hope that gets people to understand, you know, kind of where we're at a little better, but. It doesn't make mean that it's going to be easy. I think it helps easy. to put it in perspective for people to just kind of see it from that standpoint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when you see it. So here's what happens to us. Think about this for a second. You, every single day when you wake up, you have an attack upon the foundational components of your life. You said it earlier. The school kids got disrupted. The fact that we have freedom to run around and go where we want to gets disrupted. And then the order of the law enforcement in terms of the thing that's at the core fabric where you're at is disrupted as well. Right. So when you add all those things together, 2020 becomes almost like a disaster of a year simply because everything that you hold, everything you hold dear now becomes under attack. A lot of times in years, not everything happens like that. You know, you don't have that perfect storm of years where, you know, the police are attacked or your kids don't go to school or, mm -hmm. I mean, let's, let's, you talk about liminal space right now. Let me tell you where, let me, let me talk about liminal space for just one second on one other thing. Right. Virtual learning. The school oh, yeah. and our kids are in a liminal space right now that will absolutely, absolutely has the potential to, in a bad way, impact a major portion of our young people. They're, they're and I think the younger they are, the worse. You know, as you know, earlier in the year, I was very involved in some um, issues related to public education here in South Carolina. And um, perhaps, you know, while of course it's a tragedy for the older kids, the ones that are seniors, the ones that are in different um, transition points in their life, the ones that are really damaged the most are those that are entering school, the kindergartners um, that are learning to read because there's such an there's such an emphasis placed on learning to read. And many of the kindergarten teachers with whom I spoke were concerned about that. It was it was a legit concern. Like, how do you teach a five year old how to read? Um, many of them would also talk about the fact that that was where they were finding most of the child abuse cases, a huge percentage of them are detected when a kindergarten teacher notices a bruise on an arm. You don't see that oh, yeah. in a classroom. Well, and, and the one thing I want, I want to make a point about education. Education is designed for two things. Education is designed for learning. Yes. There's no doubt. But it's also designed for socialization. Yes. Which means that you learn sandbox etiquette that gets you through the rest of your life in school. No question about it. And when I think you don't do that. Yeah, you have that impact on the young children. I've even um, been concerned that we may have a lost generation. Um, it's going to it's going to severely stunt their development, both socially and academically. Um, I would also transition just to bring this back to a little bit on our end. We've also seen a transition. We've had to, you know, it, it has been a huge transition for us 
to expand our offerings in a virtual world and in an e-course world where before we were solely live. And that was mainly because of that connectivity you have in the classroom. You have that immediate ability to maybe make a greater impact when you're live as opposed to virtual or e-learning. And so that's also been a huge challenge, not just for us, but for every educator, whether it be adult learning or childhood learning. Socialization triggers learning. When you take socialization out of learning, then what you do is you just trigger information. Mm -hmm. When you trigger information, it becomes very flat. So when you look at those things, it's, it's the same thing. And so what's happening is we're learning in a very flat way. We're not really, you know, we're not really, the brain is not super engaged in flat learning because then it only becomes information. You've been listening to Straight Talk on Leadership with Dean Crisp. Be sure to check out our upcoming live class schedule at www.lhln.org. In December, we will be introducing our newest class, Becoming a Character-Driven Officer, focusing on the new mindset of the 21st century police officer. Don't miss this limited time opportunity. As always, we are scheduling live classes all over the country every day. Please contact me, Kelly Corbin, at the email or phone number listed on our website. Please follow us on LinkedIn at Dean Chris, Twitter at LHLN5, Instagram and Facebook at LHLN Crisp. As always, the information, instruction, and inspiration are all there from all of us at LHLN to help you put your leadership into action every day. Until next time, we hope you change your life and the lives of those you lead.